Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Even highlighted again during this lockdown, um, it's just a growing trend of um, fear, anxiety, worry, stress, and chaos um, across society and culture, but also among believers. Um, It's concerning, it's troubling, it's worrying um, that believers are subject to a consistent and continual life of stress, worry, and anxiety. Um, Why is it troubling? Why is it concerning? Why does it grieve my heart? Um, Because it's not actually our portion. Do we have, can we have moments of it? Of course. Are we meant to stay there? No, we're not. Jesus was really clear that we're not meant to stay there. Paul was really clear that we're not meant to stay there. But he's not silly or naive to the fact that as humans, we do experience pain, loss, and dark times. In fact, he says, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. He says, in your weakness, my power is made perfect. He says, grace is sufficient for you. He says, be still and know that I am God. He says, those that are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. So when we do experience these things, worry, stress, anxiety, chaos, frustration, and exhaustion, we do have a great, amazing, good, kind God that says, I'm here. We do have the presence of God, Holy Spirit, that says, I am your ever-present help in time of need. We do have the Prince of Peace. So that is all accessible all the time. But what Jesus challenged, and we're going to read it now in Matthew chapter 6, is that a continual, consistent, regular, non-stop life of worry, stress, and anxiety is not your portion. Actually, before we read Matthew 6, just want to This really ties in. Just want to highlight a couple of points. This really ties in with laying down our lives. Bill Johnson says this great quote. He says, In order to have the peace that surpasses all understanding, you have to give up your right to understand. In order to have the peace that surpasses all understanding, you have to give up your right to understand. Again, this is coming out of term one, laying down our lives into encouragement. Living a life of worry, stress and anxiety is us leaning on our own understanding. Oh, so when we, when we think that this is normal, And when this has been a regular pattern, all this junk and rubbish and stuff, when it hasn't just been a once-off thing where we've gone to the Lord and we've got breakthrough, when it becomes a normal thing that we expect, then actually we are leaning on our own understanding. And this directly results, uh, relates to laying down our lives. I wrote down here, this is a challenging thought. But worry is being self-centered. That's offensive. But when I flip it around, say it's something another way, it, it makes more sense. Worry is actually centered on our self. Worry is us, is me, taking control. Worry is imagining my life without 
God. So my final um, message was about Matthew 6 when we were talking about laying down our life and when Jesus mentioned five times, hey guys, do not be worried about all these things that you're concerned about. Don't be anxious. And he provided answers, reasons, and then solutions to live a life of hope, joy, and peace anchored in the Lord. Let's read Matthew 6 now and we'll get into today, um, today's message that's going to encourage us and, and build just another great foundation in us so that we can consistently see people's lives encounter Jesus every single day. Matthew 6, 25 to 33. It'll be up on the screen. Therefore, I tell you, this is Jesus, red letters. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. It's a strong thing he's saying. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Verse 27. And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Key line for us, O you of little faith, O you of little faith. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Verse 32, for the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. He knows you. He knows that you need them all. Verse 33 and 34, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, again, the fifth time he says it, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Other translations say, so do not worry about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow has enough worry of itself. Tomorrow's got enough stuff going on as itself. Man, I love this. It's challenging because I said um, in previous messages that Jesus promised trials, tribulations, and persecution. He said, if you're going to be a follower of me, you can expect being persecuted for your faith and your belief in me. You can expect tribulation and you can expect trials. And we know that the teaching of the New Testament says that all of those things provide upgrades. They prove character. They cause us to grow. They test our faith. We go to another level when we do it well and respond to the Lord and don't react to the devil in the middle of trial, 
tribulation, and persecution. It's meant to promote growth, not to stunt us or put us back. It's not punishment. It's not putting us down. He's not trying to hurt us. He's actually allowing things to happen so that we can go to a whole other level, and it's a paradigm shift. So he promised trials, tribulation, and persecution, but he did not promise worry, stress, and anxiety. It is not part of the Christian life. And if we think it's just my lot to struggle, we're entertaining, embracing, and believing lies. But I love that Jesus didn't just leave it there. He explained. He said, hey, this is not your portion. Don't be anxious, worried, stressed. It's not normal. It's not your portion. You're not meant to have it. I'm explaining what the Christian life is about. And I'm going to address this right now. And he explains that it's a result of something. What is it a result of? I want to know because I can entertain these things in my life and they push me down, pull me down and cause me to just be in my own world, um, insular and worried and freaked out. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to highlight to you guys that this is the reason that you're stressed, worried and freaking out. This is the reason right now. He says to them, oh, you of little faith, why are you worrying? It's because of your little faith. Translated correctly. This is huge for us as a church, guys. Translated correctly, Jesus is saying the reason for all this chaos and frustration and exhaustion and anxiety is because of, is because of your, your little faith. But Jesus didn't actually say that. Translated properly, it means, hey, guys, you have brief faith. It's not a size thing because we know that the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. So it's not a big faith, little faith thing. It's a brief faith thing. It's a faith is here today, but it's gone tomorrow. Jesus was highlighting that they had brief faith. It was not a size of their faith deal, but rather they had inconsistent faith. And that was the very thing that caused worry, stress, and anxiety to become a problem in their life. Brief faith was the problem. So Jesus then shared the solution. What a God. What a God. He shared the solution for us to not live in brief faith. He said it in verse 33, here's the problem, here's the reason, and now here's the solution. The problem is worry, stress, anxiety, fear, doubt, insecurity, chaos, frustration, and exhaustion. That's the worry when that becomes the normal Christian life. The reason is brief faith, and the solution to brief faith, which stops all that, is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Come on now. Who's encouraged? The answer for brief faith is to seek first. The answer to brief faith is to seek first. Not seeking the kingdom first results in having brief faith, which results in living a life of worry, stress, and anxiety. Question, why wouldn't we 
seek first the kingdom. Why wouldn't we? If Jesus has said, here's the issue, here's the reason, and here's the solution, why wouldn't we grab that solution from Jesus and seek first the kingdom? Why wouldn't that become our number one priority in life? Why wouldn't that become a non-negotiable in our life? And the simple answer is distraction. This is the answer. Why wouldn't I seek first the kingdom? Why wouldn't I make this a priority? Why wouldn't I go after this with everything I've got? Why wouldn't I take up the words of Jesus, which are life and spirit, John 6, 33. Why wouldn't I take that on board and let the, I think it's Philippians, let the, no, Colossians, let the word of God dwell in me richly. Why wouldn't I embrace that, let it transform me and then pursue it and walk in it? The answer is distraction. My heart, our heart to lead this church, my heart for this church is to teach, is to equip, is to empower, is to encourage, is to challenge us all into the things of God, which is provided by his word, which is going to help us grow in him and our experience of him and our love for him and our embrace of him and our fellowship with him and our communion with him and then to tell the world about him in words and action by, the, by pr- pronouncing the gospel of the kingdom and by demonstrating it. That is my heart. This is not all just, I've got nothing to say. This is all on purpose and this is a really important message for us. With a, a global trend of fear, worry, anxiety, depression, chaos, exhaustion, and stress and fear, we have to address this brief faith deal. And we have to address the solution being seeking first. And we have to address one of the reasons why we wouldn't seek first, why we don't seek first. My hands are up high. I want to grow in this. The reason, the simple answer is distraction. I hope you're okay. Distraction causes brief faith. Entertaining distraction leads us to having brief faith. Jesus explains it really clear. We see this perfectly in another example, Peter on the water. He was in the boat. Jesus walked out on the water to greet them. They wondered if it was a ghost. Someone said, no, no, that's Jesus, our master. Jesus says, hey, come on, come on. Come on, come on out, come on out, come on down. Peter stepped out of the boat and walked towards Jesus. What a miracle. We don't give this enough credit. We don't give him enough credit for faith. Again, this is not a size thing. It's a consistent thing. Jesus said when he started sinking down and was gripped by fear, Jesus said the same comment. He said to them when they were worried about clothing and food, he said to Peter, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Again, that is not a small faith thing. He said to Peter, O Peter, 
you of brief faith. You've been stepping out, growing, doing great things with the disciples, learning, asking lots of questions, saying lots of interesting things. You've been seeing signs, wonders and miracles happen. You stepped out on the boat and walked on water. But yet, because of brief faith, because of inconsistent faith, you sunk. And what was the reason for brief faith? It was distraction. He was distracted. Distraction causes brief faith and brief faith causes all the junk. He was distracted. He gets distracted, which results in brief faith, which then resulted in him being anxious and he sunk. What did Jesus say to him? Again, you have little faith. Wasn't harsh. It was helpful. Jesus is saying, if you're going to be the pastor and live a consistent life of miracles and bringing the kingdom and loving me, then we've got to address this brief faith thing. Because this fear thing that made you sink, this stress and anxious thing that's making you sink and being consistent, it's an issue and it's not your portion. So let's deal with it. Jesus was always encouraging. What does distraction mean in the dictionary? Distraction definition. A thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. A thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. An object that directs one's attention away from something else. An object that directs one's attention away from something else. Peter's on the water, the winds and the waves, the swirling. He's he's looking at Jesus. He's fixing his eyes on Jesus. He's locking his eyes onto Jesus. He's stepping out in faith. He's walking on water, but something is directing his attention and he starts being distracted, which caused brief faith And brief faith causes fear, anxiety, worry, stress, and he sunk. And Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith. This is really big for a church, for a people that want to consistently lead our friends and family and strangers into encounters with the Lord because he's put his presence in us and on us. Distraction definition, a thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else an object that directs one's attention away from something else. In this case, it was the waves. It was the natural laws of physics. Concentrating on something else, directing one's attention away from. Peter concentrated on the waves instead of the wave maker. Peter concentrated on the waves rather than the wave maker. Peter's attention was on what he couldn't control. It was on self. It was on what do I need to do to sort this out. With the disciples in Matthew 6, they were distracted by the potential of lack. What if they didn't have enough food or clothing? They were distracted by that, which caused brief Faith, which caused them to worry and be anxious. Distraction causes brief faith. And Jesus regularly addressed it. He wasn't shy. He wasn't concerned. He wasn't fearful of sharing these things. 
Let's read Luke 10, 38 to 42. Now, as they were traveling along, along, Jesus entered, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was also seated at the Lord's feet and listening to his word. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving by myself? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Verse 42, wow. But only one thing is necessary. But only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away from her. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. Verse 40 it says, but Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And Jesus was highlighting the fact that, that yes, honor is great. Yes, serving is great. Yes, doing the Christian things is great. But being with me trumps the doing. I'm in your presence. I'm in your house. Mary has chosen the better option. I appreciate the serving. I appreciate the effort. I appreciate the preparations. But you are actually being distracted by this because the Son of Man, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is in your house. And you're being distracted by serving me when you can be with me. Wow. Whoa. Distraction, a thing that prevents someone from concentrating on something else. Martha was concentrating on something else instead of sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus clearly said, Mary has chosen the better option in other translations. Distraction, it's a big deal for us. It causes brief faith. Distraction is a, a shift in focus. It's a change in priority. It is directing one's attention away from something else. It's a putting off and a putting on. Something that prevents concentration. It could be anything. Distraction is anything that is taking your time and your affection away from seeking first the kingdom of God and, and who Jesus is and the character and nature of the Lord. Distraction is anything that's, that's taking away what Jesus said the solution was for the Christian life, which is seeking first. Distraction is anything that is removing, uh, sorry, distraction is anything that is causing us to seek first. Distraction is anything that is stopping us from seeking first. Wow. If distraction causes brief faith, then we need to address distraction. It's a consistent 
theme. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. So let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin that so easily entangles us. The Greek word for entangles is distracts. And let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking only at Jesus, the originator and the perfecter of our faith. Wow. Entangle in Hebrew means distracts, looking only at Jesus, he says. So let's rid ourselves of every obstacle and the sin which so easily distracts. Again, he's encouraging. Hey, let's look towards Jesus. It says looking only at Jesus, like Mary, looking only at Jesus. Jesus said, hey, Mary's chosen the better option. Jesus' response to the worry and anxiety, hey, seek first the kingdom of God. This is a big deal. Come on now. Why is this a really big deal? Wow. Because brief faith results in distractions. And distractions results in believers living in stress, worry and anxiety. Which affects you and him. Put aside the assignment you've been given of releasing the kingdom everywhere you go. Brief faith affects you and him. Your day-to-day walk with him, talking with him, having quality time with him, looking at him, going to him first in every situation in life, asking him questions, not responding and making big decisions before he's spoken into it. It affects us and him. It affects my relationship with the Lord when I'm living in brief faith because of distraction. It affects my intimacy. It affects my closeness. It affects my fellowship. I know I'm one with him, but it affects my communicating and my consistency and my intentionality with him. When I get swept up in distraction, which causes brief faith, which causes stress, worry and anxiety. Living with brief faith results in us being ineffective with the assignment that we've been given. Paul beautifully says that we've been created to do good works. There's something about doing good works that's part of this whole picture of us living fulfilled, strong, healthy, joy-filled, hope-filled, peace-filled lives. It's not just about being content with us and him. There's an element to this Christian life that we're missing and lacking when we're not influencing people and living the kingdom come, your will be done message every day. You have an assignment which brings life and is designed to fulfill you like nothing else on the planet. And that's challenging when we're consistently being distracted from not seeking first. Wow. You were created to do good works. Consistency causes momentum. Brief faith does not. Consistency causes revival. Brief faith does not. So what's our number one opposition here? It's distraction. Distraction causes brief 
faith. Paul knew this and he encouraged them in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 2. I want to read from the Passion Translation. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honour and authority. Verse 2, yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. And this last line, and not with the distractions of the natural realm. Let me just pause. You would all be aware that I love life. I love hanging out with my friends. I love catching up with people from church and having coffee and talking about the kingdom. I love playing golf. I love going out for dinner. I love going on holidays. I love watching the footy. I love life. I love all of these natural, earthly, beautiful things. I love it all. I love renovating. I love landscaping. I love going for walks. I love running. I love it all. And that's all meant to be good and great. But if those things are actually taking the place of me seeking first, my life is going to be inconsistent with what he has for me, both my relationship with him and my works for him. That's how Jesus is addressing this. And when that happens, I am susceptible to a life of worry, stress, fear, anxiety, exhaustion, depression, and yuck. And Paul is saying, guys, feast on the realities of heaven. Don't be distracted by the things of the earth. He is not saying, don't be full with and enjoy all the things that I have for you and available, going out for dinner, connecting with people, having parties and life and love, and that's amazing. But if those things are in the way, if they become the distraction, that's an issue and it's going to cause brief faith and brief faith causes the list of junk. So he's encouraging. Guys, seek first. Look above. Fix your eyes on Jesus and everything will go well for you. 2 Corinthians 4.17 to 18. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of... I'm going to say that again. We view... So this is a paradigm shift, a renewed mind. This is a renewed mind statement. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal, weighty glory far beyond all comprehension. Whoa. Verse 18. Because, this is the reason, the reason that statement can be true and real is because of this statement. Because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen, but the unseen realm is eternal. Wow. I have to read that again. We view our slight, short-lived troubles in the light of eternity. 
We see our difficulties as the substance that produces for us an eternal weighty glory far above all comparison. Verse 18, because we don't focus our attention on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but the unseen realm is eternal. Distraction causes brief faith. Why is that a big deal? Why is brief faith a big deal? Because faith is a big deal. Faith allows us to obtain promises, Hebrews. Faith allows us to identify lies and truth. Faith allows us to see God correctly. Faith allows us to believe in miracles. Faith allows us to see miracles. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11.1 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is the currency of heaven. When the lame guy, the beggar in Acts chapter 3, got healed by Peter and John through the power of Jesus, they asked how this was possible. He said it's because of faith in Jesus. And having consistent faith allows us to consistently bring heaven to earth every day. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, not once a week, not once a month, but every single day. Consistency causes momentum, and momentum sees this vision of ours come to pass. That's the goal. That's the assignment. The kingdom moves forward because of consistency. The kingdom of God moves forward because of consistency. So what's the answer? Jesus told us it's seeking first the kingdom. I, I actually need help though. I need help to seek first. I know the answer. Why don't I do it? Distraction. I need help to not be distracted. I need help not to be distracted. There's lots of things that I love and when they get in the way, I live with brief faith. I don't want to be distracted by those things. I want to enjoy these things, but I want them to be subject to me and my seeking first the kingdom and them not overpowering me seeking first the kingdom because I don't want brief faith. I don't want stress, anxiety and that rubbish that is not meant to be my portion. I need help to have him as my number one priority, genuinely. I need help to go to him first. So how are we going to live lives that seek first? It's encouragement, guys. It is encouragement. How do we seek first? It's encouragement. I need to be encouraged to seek first. If I'm not encouraged, distraction is much more of a probability for my life. Do I want to get to a point where I can um, encourage myself? Of course. But this whole heaven to earth deal was not meant to be done alone. It's meant to be done through family. The more that heaven comes to earth, the more the earth looks like family. So encouragement helps me be consistent. It helps me consistently seek first the kingdom. Distraction is my number one issue. Jesus's, Jesus' solution for distraction was to seek first. I need encouragement to seek first. I need encouragement to keep persevering. I need encouragement to keep locking into Jesus. I need encouragement to put down the distractions and pursue the Lord, knowing that some of those things are good, but they've got to be subject to my seeking first. 
We need encouragement. Because distraction is at astronomical levels in society and in the church, encouragement has never been more important. If we did a survey of what the fir- what's the first thing you do when you wake up in bed, what would it be? I know for me it's common. Is that distraction? Well, if it's, ta- if it's happening every single day and I'm not spending time with Jesus and I'm not seeking first the kingdom, then the answer is obvious. Is this a harsh thing? Is this a legalistic thing? Is this a you better do this thing? No. We're in fellowship with him. We're in communion with him. It's nonstop, 24-7. But we know our life and we can measure our life with our hope level, peace level, joy level, love level, keeping our love on level, um, living the kingdom, seeing miracles, seeing testimonies, feeling great about the Lord and his character and nature, keeping in step with the spirit, knowing his word, knowing what he's saying, knowing our season, knowing our why, knowing what's happening in church, being involved, serving, committed, praying, just bringing it. We know where we're at with that level. And often if we're not at that level, it's because other things have crept in and we're spending hours on our phone. Because distraction is at astronomical levels, encouragement has never been more important. Hey, encouragement is a big deal. Encouragement means to see. Encouragement means to seek out. Encouragement means to pull alongside. And encouragement means to speak. We need to develop a culture of encouragement so that we can have consistent faith. Because when we have consistent faith, we're seeking first. And when we're seeking first, life works. Does it mean we're spending two hours every single day and if not, we're stuffed? No. But consistently seeking first. We know whether we're doing that or not. And encouragement is a critical key for that. Next time we speak, we're going to talk about some examples in the Bible of what that looks like. Encouragement in action, Jonathan and David and the early church, how encouragement was critical in the life of David and how encouragement was critical in the early church. We're going to look at that encouragement in action, but we have to address distraction Seeking first is the key and we need help to seek first and encouragement is that key. Encouragement is that help. So opening our lives up to be in small groups, opening our lives up to coming to church, to building relationships, to letting people in, to be encouraged ourselves, but also looking, who can I encourage? Let's see a culture of encouragement. Let's be a church of consistent faith because we know that consistency causes momentum and momentum causes this vision of heaven to earth happen every day. Jesus, get him.